With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping uh, quite a bit of action for the Kansas Jayhawks, the men who have stormed their way into the lead, uh, share it with Texas, but are in a really good position going down the stretch here with three games to go. Um, to help me kind of recap that, and we will talk briefly about the women, but unfortunately the news is not as good there. But to help me kind of recap all of that, um, you know, he, he comes on the show often. It is Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how you doing today? Uh, better than I was 48 hours ago. It's yeah, I know that feeling. Sense. Man, it, there's some sickness going around like all over the place here in Kansas City area and, and not too far west. Uh, I've had kids come home from school sick. I've been sick. Um, and it just seems to be all over the place right now, which is so much fun. So, But at least we've had some good basketball to watch, right? Like Kansas beating Baylor 87-71 yeah. Yeah, on Saturday. And then on Monday, they went on the road and faced TCU. Before we dive into those games, really quick, we'll just say the Kansas women, unfortunately – have struggled the last few weeks, have some issues with uh, injuries, uh, have a really, really, really short bench, and unfortunately tonight against Kansas State, as we are recording this, um, they are getting plastered right now. Holly Kirschgieter was not available after taking a bit of a shot against Oklahoma, um, which has put them completely out of sorts. I mean, they have a lot of other good players, but when you're only playing a six-man rotation and, you know, you've you're down one of your best players. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do. So it's been a struggle for the women. Hopefully they can get healthy before the or before the Big 12 tournament and the, the NCAA tournament because as it stands right now, they seem to be a lock to make it to the NCAA tournament unless they just lose out. But I don't think that that's very likely considering they have TCU still to play uh, on, on the road, but still TCU to play here coming up. So jumping over to the men, or actually um, anything that you want to talk about with the women real quick? No, I mean, there's, there's there's opportunities there. It's just, you know, you you turn it over 15 times in a two-point loss to West Virginia. You, you know, you were only down one going into the fourth quarter against a ranked Oklahoma team. You can't get it done. Like, I think a theme we will probably talk about with the men is just this will and way to, and to find a way to get the W. And it's just, you know, that some of that you can't account for and some of it is is you know you just you have to learn to win and to be in those spots and to overcome and just the you know we're just not we're not quite there yet with the uh, the with the Snyder era and and I hope you know we're getting there it's still 
you know, there's been some optimism. You're right. There's been some injury woes and the short bench, but it's just the opportunities have been there. It's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's so many times I feel like at the end of the game, it's like, wow, they were close. It's just like so cool. If a couple things would have went different, it's just it's it's not been happening. Yeah, and unfortunate for them that they just had some injury issues that have kind of kept them from reaching the peak that they can. Um, they, there were a decent number of expectations for this team coming into the year, um, and I, I mean I think it's fair to say that they haven't reached them. But it has. It's not like it's a you know Brandon Schneider didn't do what he needed to do in terms of getting people ready or anything like that. It's just they've had some bad injury luck. They've had a few bounces that haven't gone their way. You know they've been. They've been very competitive in most of the games that they played. They just have been unfortunate to not be able to get the bounces that they needed, you know, and even, you know, now like they had a very difficult front loaded schedule and as things are easing up is when they're dealing with injury issues, which made it a lot harder for them to get the wins that you would have thought they they would be expected to get. Um, So it's unfortunate for them. They have some time to turn it around still. I will be in Kansas city when they are here for the big 12 tournament, hoping that I can get to watch more than one game for them this year. Last year, I just got the one against Oklahoma, so I'm hoping that they can win one and move on, and I can uh, have a couple days off of work, you know, to cover this team and and, and kind of enjoy that there. But speaking uh, or flipping now over to the men because we're going to have, I think, quite a bit of time to talk about them and to to follow what they're doing because you know after the 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 games that they had over this weekend, Saturday and Monday, you know, it's it's hard not to say that Kansas potentially like. Do they have the best team in the nation right now? I think that they they have for sure one of the the most complete teams in the nation, and I think they have one of the teams that uh, is a very small list that can win in multiple ways. You know, like you look at it and you you have the you know they scored one point three points per possession against Baylor, and then they turn around. And the offense isn't there. They only score 0.9% points per possession against TCU, but the defense just completely locks them down. Like there's, there's the, the, this team is not, there's so many, like, you know, you think about the, um, like those Rory North Carolina teams that like, if, if they weren't going to run and, and score 90 on you, they they were not going to be able to win any other way. Like, you know, like uh, Virginia only plays one way. Like this team, it, it feels like if you want to run on them, okay, they can get in a track meet. You know, TC likes to go in transition. They they shut that down. You want to play slower, they can play slower. It's just, I, I they have obviously the best resume. I don't think anyone can dispute that when you look at the quality wins and then the, the no losses outside of quad one. And then, yeah, I think they are probably the most complete team. Um, I think I would put, put them, their defense is, their offense is probably not quite as there's the offense is not as good as Alabama. The defense is a lot better and there's no one else really in that top where I feel like, you know, Connecticut, maybe Purdue is there, but Purdue, I don't trust Purdue fully yet. Um, So yeah, I would, I would say that, you know, you can count on, I, I, you, you would stop on one hand before you got to Kansas when talking about who the best team is right now. Um, Oh, I think out of like, you know, the now and maybe this isn't even the best, but the, the team best prepared for March, I think it's probably Kansas when you talk about the pedigree and again, the ways that they can win and the guard play and the defense. Like, I, I think if you're talking to about teams that scare you in a one and done situation, uh, I think like a team like Purdue or UConn scares me much more if I'm a fan of theirs of them losing and getting knocked off early than, than Kansas does. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and I mean, definitely there's no way to argue whether, you know, Kansas has the best resume. I mean, 14 quad one wins, next closest is Purdue with nine, but I think I, I've seen conflicting reports about that kind of shuffling because of some of the other teams that have kind of lost and, and dropped out. But still, like, either way, you've got, you know, you've got a handful of extra wins over quad one opponents, which, you know, say what you want about how useful that metric actually is. It is what they use to evaluate it is one of those things is a huge leg up for the Jayhawks when they are going to try to figure out, you know, what their seating is going to be. And really, I think just what it comes down to is the fact that, you know, Kansas has shown now that they can win in multiple different ways. You, you talked about how, you know, they've, they've been able to do the run and gun and been able to, to kind of win those. But then also, like you said, against TCU, you're like, I think that was what was more impressive to me, right? Was a TCU team that's finally fully healthy that just put up a hundred points against Oklahoma state on Saturday 
and Kansas goes in and holds them to 58. And like you can you can try to argue about, you know, what like I saw some people trying to argue about refs, which I think is kind of ridiculous at this point considering what the the foul situation looked like and everything, but regardless of how you want to, you know, talk about it, this is I think a team that has shown the ability to do things in different ways and and I think the most promising thing is the fact that look Jalen Wilson has not had great games the last few games. Like, he has honestly struggled in quite a bit. Um, but I think what's most impressive is the fact that they have been able to overcome his struggles and other people have stepped up and really done what they needed to do to get them in a situation where it doesn't matter that Jalen Wilson's struggling. Like, it really it really doesn't matter. They've been able to do all kinds of stuff <laughs> and figure out, you know, Grady Dick has been phenomenal the last few games. Um you know, Kevin McCullough has played phenomenal defense to keep the opponent from really being able to do too much against them. Like, Kansas is finding a bunch of ways to win, and that's the thing that Bill Self has always kind of been known for, right, is getting those tough, gritty defensive teams that can pretty much do whatever it is that he needs them to do to keep them in games. And that, that is, it's usually the defense that wins for, for Bill. And there was definitely, I think, questions about this team, whether they'd be able to consistently do that but even if they were able to play good defense, the question was, you know, is their offense going to be good enough? Because they were struggling mightily for quite a while. Um, but I think they have enough now. Enough other players are coming on. And look, that DeWan Harris stat, you know, when he scores four more points this year, they are undefeated. is absolutely ridiculous. I tweeted during the game, like once he hit that second bucket to get four points, I said, all right, that's it. Game's over. Like, there's still plenty of time, but obviously Kansas is going to win because... You know, they've never lost when Harris has scored at least four points. And I was, you know, kind of half joking, but the way that he was playing, the way that he was getting to the bucket, you could just kind of tell that the rest of the offense was clicking. And that's what him scoring does. We've actually talked about it on here before. You know, if you can get DeJuan Harris involved in the offense, like he doesn't even need to be shooting at volume or anything like that. But if you can get him involved in the offense and make people have to pay attention to him, it opens up so many different things, and it means that other things are going right. And that's what we saw against TCU. Even though Kansas only scored 63 in that game, offensively they were moving the ball around really well. They were doing a lot of the different things that you wanted to see them do, and it, it showed that they were on it and really able to kind of do what they wanted to do against TCU. And, of course, we haven't even talked yet about the, the second half of that Baylor game. Yeah, and this team, I, I think um... – I've been playing around with this, but I feel like this is a, this is a, and I don't, I'm guessing this is, no one's ever coined this term before. So this is, this is me for the first time. This, uh, this is a beyond the box score team, which is that, and you know, you could use an eye test team, whatever. But the fact is that like, you could, Kansas could have the exact same box score in big 12 play, same exact stats, different players and be what, right now they're 11 and four, 12 and four, they, and they could be probably, you know, eight and six or, or somewhere around there. The, the thing that makes them great is the stuff that doesn't show up. Like for instance, there are several plays on there that uh, Dwan makes that I don't know if there's two or three other point guards in the country that, that make it, that his no look pass to, I think it was Adams for the dunk and transition. I, I had like a hundred and two degree fever at that time. So I was a little busy on the details, but um, you know, the defense of him and McCoy, like those, the, those just last two possessions from McCuller, I would even say, like, you look at someone like uh, Ernest Uday and say, if you just looked at his box score uh, over the last eight games, you'd be like, okay, that is fine, I guess. I've never seen a dude with his size and his experience level get his hands and body limbs and whatever in more passing lanes and just disrupt things more than he does. I think the same thing to you. We talk about We can talk about Juan's assists. But I think it just in general, the spacing and the passing that leads up to that. Like if we, I would love for the basketball to have hockey assists to look at what this team's numbers would be, because that's all the stuff that, like I said, like you, uh, you know, not to say that this team doesn't obviously put up numbers that show up on the box score because they do. But I think that the difference here and where you're looking at when you're talking about the most complete team and teams that are ready for March is this kind of thing. Like those, the things that, that, that Juan and Kevin did in the second half against <laughs> Flagler and 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 Cryer aren't going to necessarily show up except for maybe the box and steals, but like the the again the Uday like effort minutes, the 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 pass to a pass and the spacing and the transition, like all of these things. This is where I think they've differentiated themselves. Um, and those that that 
understanding of of just how to win and how to play the game and like you know again that's why you know Juan is not on the on the koozie list which is i think so you know anyone who's watched him play all season would be like that's uh, that's crazy because no one operates his team better as a point guard than he does but it's because his stats you know if you just looked at the stats and you never watched him play you'd be like okay those are fine like this team i think to fully appreciate them and, and that's where i'm kind of getting at here you have to go beyond the box score because and that's where the You've seen it let them down when the effort's not quite there on defense or they're just not moving the ball quite as crisply or, or the, the energy's down. But, like, a lot of these guys, especially when you've seen Pettiford or Yesifu come in, uh, obviously, Ernest, we're talking about, like, KJ, like, so many things that they do happen on plays that don't actually get in the box score. And that's where they are winning where others aren't. So that's why I think this team – yeah, this is a this is a beyond the box score team to me, and what's so impressive is all of that stuff where you just watch it in the eye test and be like, okay, I, who else can do that? Show that to me, and that's when in those last couple possessions, you saw what happened with you know Tennessee TCU can't even get a shot off. Uh, you know that's where even if you can't get buy a basket with your best players outside of Grady Dick, um, you're able to win those games because you are are a team that can that make that happen and do so many of the little things that don't go noticed necessarily just throughout the course of the game. Yeah, it's it, it it's funny because I think I would argue that the game against Baylor was probably Harris's best game of the season. Um because like you look at his final line, he had 14 points and 9 assists. Um did just one turnover. Like in the past when he has scored, like you, you look at the Oklahoma game, he had three turnovers and three assists. Scored 16 points against Texas. He had three turnovers to five assists for 17 points. Typically, when he is scoring, he's not a, he's not getting those passes and getting those assists. But that was a game against Baylor where, you know, he did he did so much. I think in the in the second half there that you know he scored his 14 points on the second half, and he was opening things up for so many other people as well. And Harris, like you said, yeah, is is definitely I think criminally underrated this season, um, especially when it comes to those types of awards. I mean, if, if Jalen Wilson wasn't on this team, I think you could make an argument that Dewan Harris could have a good shot at one being first team, all big 12, but might even have a shot at being recognized as the best player in the conference because of what he's done for everybody else, the way he's made everyone else better. I think it, you know, he's at a disadvantage because like you said, his, his stats don't show up in the box score. You know, the, the good defense to shut down a passing lane to make it go to somebody to take a bad shot. All the, you know, all those secondary assists where he makes a pass to one guy who then can immediately whip it around to somebody else to take a good shot. Like, there are so many things that Harris does, and he brings an attitude to this team that, you know, you saw it somewhat last year, but I, I really think this year he has come into his own, really kind of owned this team and owned running this team. Yes, Jalen Wilson is the best player on this team. He's the guy that, you know, makes the offense go in terms of scoring, but if, if Harris wasn't there, I don't think that, that Wilson is having half the great, you know, half as good of a year as he is right now. Yeah. And the team's not just not operating. I think you'd see a couple more losses. I think, you know, it's, and it's also one of those things where it's, it's amazing to have multiple shutdown defenders on the ball. Like him and Kevin, because it's it's like, you're you're right. You would, you would, uh, if you just pulled, a hundred college basketball fans across the nation say, give me your, give me your top five point guards. I'm not sure any of them are picking one. Nick, if you did the same thing and said, give me your top five grad transfers, is anyone picking Kevin? And yet I think McCuller, especially this last week or two has proven why he was an amazing pickup and has really added a dimension to this team. Not only just because of the defense, but again, how he fits in so seamlessly. And I thought it was funny because uh, (laughs) watching the, um, I think it was the Duke game right before. So when they were when they were beating Louisville by twelve, and everyone thought that was amazing, uh, and they were talking about how uh, whoever it was in the studio at ESPN was talking about how well you know Duke has a bunch of new guys who never played before, and it takes a long time to gel. And like, yeah, maybe that is they're just figuring out in the NFL. And I'm like, and I'm looking at KU's roster, and I'm like, when was the time that Brady Dick and Kevin McCuller and Juan Harris were on the floor together before this year? Like they. The, the the way that they were able to figure this out and gel and look so seamlessly with their offense and spacing and passing and the defense really is incredible because you're right, more often than not, just the pure odds of it, you're going to have a season like Duke 
where things are clunky. Honestly, like look at some of those other teams where we had some good statistical teams like in, in 2018 with or 19 with Deidre Glosson or some of those. Like there's, you know, this is one of those times where you it shouldn't work as well as it did. But credit again to Bill Self, he's not going to get it because apparently uh, – Big 12 Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year is basically just exceeding expectation awards. Like, that's what it is. But, like, who else could have taken 70% of a new roster and then had them playing together this well, this seamlessly, this early, and now you see what's happening? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really what it is. Like, you are starting to see national people talk about Bill Self as a Coach of the Year candidate, a National Coach of the Year candidate. And, I mean, I, I definitely understand why. Like, like you said, he had to replace, you know, basically 70% of the production from a national championship team, um, you know, had to bring in all these guys, get them to mesh, get them to play as well as they did. And I mean, they played extremely well in the non-conference. Like they only had one non-conference loss against a very tough Tennessee team, right. That has shown why they're one of the better teams that played really good defense against them, you know, and then they have four losses in, in not arguably the best conference in America. Like they have, it's just been absolutely ridiculous what he's been able to do. And, you know, you talk about, oh, well, you know, Jalen Wilson's back from that team. Jalen Wilson was a role player last year. Like he was, we've, we've talked about it here. We, he was a, the, the garbage he was man, the fourth option. right? He, well, he was the garbage man. He was the guy that basically changed what he did from game to game to fit the need in that particular matchup, which I mean, sometimes he would score, but it wasn't a consistent thing. He was not the guy that was Ochai Abaji or, you know, David McCormick or any number of other guys. This is, I think, a huge transformation from him. Yes, Grady Dick coming in, you know, he was a phenomenal shooter, but recruiting is part of coaching as well. And I think the way that you've been able to get him implemented, like, it's it's not like he just came in and immediately started lighting everybody up and has been, you know, no holds barred, just phenomenal the entire year. He had his slump. They had to coach him through it. You know, they had to find ways to get him going again. And so, I mean, I don't know. It's just... It's one of those things where, you know, I, I think to your point, the coach of the year award has become a who is the guy that does something when we thought he was going to do nothing. And it isn't necessarily the best coaching job. It isn't necessarily the, the uh, you know, the guy who did the most with his team. It's the guy who surprised us the most, which, I mean, yes, there's definitely, there needs to be some weight, right, for somebody that's, who's overperforming expectations, but a lot of times what that really is, is we were just really bad at evaluating what these you know players were going to be at the beginning of the year. You look at right. Keontae Johnson, you look at Marquise Noel, like those were guys that were written off because of the last places that they played. And yes, Jerome Tang has done a phenomenal job bringing them together and getting them to play well. But, you know, those are, those are definitely underrated talents. And I think the reason Kansas State got picked as 10th in the Big 12 was because nobody knew what to expect from the top three guys. And really, I mean, Kansas State is still the top three guys, right? Like, they have a pretty good defense. Jerome Tang has done a lot to really maximize what they do. But, you know, you throw you throw Bill Self as the coach of that squad. Like, I don't, I don't know that Jerome Tang's doing anything that's, like, significantly better than what Self could have done. Like, it's one of those things where sometimes you get lucky with the guys that come in and they mesh really well and they just fit in your system. I think that Jerome Tang has done that. TJ Otzelberger, I think, is the guy that has surprised me more. The fact that he has had two straight years now, starting in the Big 12, of really showing what he can do. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know that I would be upset if a guy like TJ Otzelberger won it, just because of what he's been able to do over a long period of time. And honestly, I thought that he probably should have won it over Mark Adams last year. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where Bill Self is doing things that are unprecedented unprecedented and I don't know how you can talk about Bill Self being the best active coach in America and then write off what he's actually done with this team because he happens to be a coach that we already know is one of the best in America like it's perfectly reasonable that if he is the best coach right now in all of college basketball there's a really good chance he's going to turn in a coaching performance as worthy of being recognized so yeah and I and I get I do think that if you if you make a case for Rodney Terry at Texas I'm not going to fight you because taking right. over in that spot given the circumstances like you could have easily lost that team in December and all that credit but I think it's an interesting point about Grady Dick too because I think this is a credit to self and I think it's also a credit to Grady but like everyone obviously he is lighting it up offensively but we knew he could do that I'm more impressed with 
how many hustle plays he's making, his like crashing the offensive boards, like how many other potential lottery pick McDonald's All-American freshmen are doing all those other things. Like his defense is not great. I know he gets targeted sometimes and, and certain opposing, co opposing coaches will go ride him on him if he's on the ball. But like his his off the ball defense is getting better. He's he's getting better in the passing lanes. His field numbers are decent. decent. He's crashing the boards. Like he's he's doing a lot of things other than just shoot threes. That I think um, is both a credit to him and also a credit to someone like coach or someone like Coach Self, who's like not going to just let him come in, be an All American and jack up threes and not get their hands dirty. Like he's going to go do everything else to win. And I think that's that's part of that too. Is that if you want to know why they're so good, just like watch whatever what. Watch what Grady Dick's doing when he's not shooting the ball. Well, and let's and let's be fair to Grady. Like Bill Self's defense, a lot of people talk about, you know, how how just tenacious you have to be to be in Bill Self's defense, but it's not like it's a simple defense. A lot of people seem to think that, you know, playing defense in college is, you know, you you guard a guy and you know, you know when to switch and stuff like that. There's a lot more to it about identifying guys, keying in on what they try to do. And Grady Dick is, you know, it's like it's a fairly complicated defense. I forget who I was talking to or who I was reading about that was talking about Bill Self and his defense. And, you know, it looks simple because of how much they drill it and how much they get guys to execute in it. And, and Self has been very good about identifying guys that can, that can implement his defense and can play it well. And when you get a guy like Grady Dick, who I'm going to be completely honest, like you look at his, at his play in high school, like he didn't necessarily have to be a good defender in high school because you know, he wasn't playing against guys that could take him off the ball, that could do those sort of things. He was athletic enough to kind of recover from it. And he was such a great shooter in high school that it didn't really matter. Like, he was going to be out there regardless. So for him to kind of have that development and do what he needs to do, and like you said, I think the most impressive thing is just the hustle plays. I, I, I counted at least five times, and it looks like he only got credit for two of these, but five times where Kansas put up a shot, right, in Baylor versus – against Baylor and against TCU – where he put up a shot where, you know, I think two of them were his own shot. And then he went and hustled and he tipped out the rebound to one of his own guys. Something that we don't typically see, you know, especially a guy who shoots a three and then going in and getting his own rebound like that. And, and like, normally if they've got a beeline for it that they can go and pull it down and then go back up with it, Grady's done that as well. But to get in the scrum, to, to you know, throw his body on the line, to get in there just to get a hand on it, to tip it out to his own guy. A lot of the great shooters, a lot of the guys that know how, how hot they can be offensively aren't going to jump in there like that because, you know, they want to make sure that they're fresh for shooting, you know, for, for what they're needed. He is, I think, come the farthest of any freshman that Bill Self has had in a long time. I mean, you can talk about, like, the, the last guy I think that's improved so much from when he got there to now would be Joel Embiid. And I'm not saying, you know, he's as good as Joel Embiid or as dominant at his position or anything like that, but, you know, Joel Embiid skyrocketed in terms of coming to Kansas and then immediately taking over and showing just how good he was. Grady Dick has had a, a growth curve like that in his time here at Kansas, which has been, it's been great to watch. It's absolutely just enjoyable to watch Grady Dick play because, you know, People like to give him, obviously, you know, a bunch of crap about his his last name. I, it's kind of funny that you you would think that people would get a little bit more creative, but apparently the uh, chant, you know, that people have been most using people are not creative. Well, it's funny because most of the people that have been doing that. Apparently, he's been hearing that since like freshman year of high school because that's all that anybody knows how to you know make fun of. So I thought it was kind of funny that it's the same chant and like the, the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh, I hadn't heard that before, but that was, you know, most of the way, or that was like, I think like two weeks ago and it's been every single game since then that they've been on the road. Um, but the way for him to kind of handle that and, then you know, really kind of embrace what his role is on this team, but it's not like he's just been sitting back and coasting, you know, he has pushed it. He has made sure that he is the guy that really gets in there. I mean, he had 16 against Baylor, you know, and then had, uh, and then 19 against TCU had 26 against Oklahoma State before that. He is on a on a huge roll right now. Um, actually, his down game was scoring eight against Oklahoma because he had 21 against Texas. Like he has in a five game stretch scored, I think a lot more than a lot of people expect from a freshman. And he is heating up at exactly the right time going into the final stretch of the conference play. Yeah, and he has what a lot of this team has, which is what makes him so dangerous. Is that he he's. Well, the phrase now is that he's got that dog in him, but really what it is, he's got the 
like I think well, one I love that he embraces the kind of villainy of it like he had the frogs t-shirt on afterward yeah. and like he's he loves when they chant his name like but that's the the this team has like a, a back against the wall like okay like you know we're gonna like we're gonna get out of this corner one way or another kind of vibe like you saw them the second half of Baylor there's just this team there's not a lot of just like let down on there if they lose it's gonna be they're gonna be fighting their way out and they basically you know barely didn't get out on time but it's he's he's kind of got that mentality that i see from obviously Jalen. i see that from Duan, which is just like there's this they're not messing around and like there's certain times where where they turn it off and turn it on and i think that's an interesting thing that you know if we talk about the baylor game specifically i know stealth brought this up of just like you know Duan, Kevin, and his whole defense can't do that for 40 minutes the way they did in the second half because it would just – yeah, I could even tell. Like, I was there. They were exhausted by the end of it. That's oh, yeah. where I think, you know, Pettiford and Yesifu are going to be critical moving forward, and I would love to see some – a couple more minutes of MJ Rice if he can do it from a defensive standpoint as well because you need to almost like – it's almost like they're they're kind of biding their time. I think you even saw that in the first half a little bit. Like, there was some definitely energy in the, in the TCU game in the first half, but it was like – almost making sure there's enough in the tank for them when they really needed it. So that's where if, if Pettiford and Pettiford actually has had a really good couple of days, like it's not going to go as noticed because there's so many other people to talk about. But for those reasons specifically, if you can get Duan to play, I think he played, you know, 30, I think 39 against Baylor, 37 against TCU. Like if you can get him to play 35 and trust Yes, if and Pettiford to take over for a little bit, same thing with McCuller, especially on the bad ankles. That's going to be key because it's they have that fight and they're going to do it. But you also, you know, that's the thing too with the Big Twelve plays that just it's been such a, a emotional, exhausting beating every single time. There is no you know, there's no off night where you can play a four and twenty two team. Like I, I just I I think that's another part of it is like you got to give them and Bills have done a good job of this, but like how how much can you sustain this kind of effort? Because I think they would go out, and if it's their choice, they'll fight to the end, and they're going to go nuts. But there is some cons- there's conserving conserving, uh, and a concerningness if you don't have those guys step up on the bench because uh, you don't necessarily need to get them. You know, they can score eight. The bench, if the bench scores eight points a game, then that's okay. That's not something. We, we don't need 20 points a night from the bench. What we need is for Yesfu and Pettiford to take care of the ball, knock down a couple threes or get to the lane uh, and just spell Dwan and Kevin and others for, for three or four minutes at each half so that they can go do their thing the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really it's about making sure that this team can keep that swagger because that's what we've seen, right? Like they came out of the first half and like you go in and Bill Self talked about how they just didn't have, you know, they didn't have the energy. It didn't seem like they were playing the way they needed to. And look, I, I made a comment about how, you know, that, that uh, we were we we were kicking around with Derek, you know, trying to figure out what to do for the for the theme for the player rating from that Baylor game, and there was a lot of good ideas. But the one that jumped out to me was, you know, like the motivational, like movie motivational quotes. Because I don't know what Bill Self said at halftime. Like it had to have been something, though. Um, you know, he he knows how to get the best out of his players. He knows what he has to say. But to to have that sort of turnaround, to see that sort of swagger from them. And just, you know, just to see them come out and play with that intensity, um, you know, they have a level of pettiness. And, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But, you know, they have a level of pettiness that I think is going to serve them really well. We heard about what happened with the TCU ball, you know, after, after TCU won here, they took the ball and were putting stuff up on social media. And so Kansas, of course, had to make sure that they did the exact same thing. You actually saw Dewan Harris chasing the ball across the court after it got heaved. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, you know, the sh- the I-, I have to say, seeing that picture of, you know, of, of-, of Grady Dick wearing the uh, the Funky Town shirt with the W on it, um, that was quite a bold fashion choice. It was definitely a great move. And it looked great on him. Um, just like the absolutely fantastic look that you get from our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. And they just released, unfortunately, or actually by the time you're listening to this, there will still be a day or two left uh, where you can go, assuming that anything is still on stock. But they have released a limited edition Kansas line 
that has a bunch of great stuff. There's a 1988 national championship shirt. There's a quarter zip, uh, you know, jacket. There's a, a really nice hoodie. There's a bunch of really great stuff. Make sure you go get it if you haven't already. Um, but if you have not gotten anything from Homefield in the past, you can use our promo code SHOCK12 to get 15% off your entire first order. And they are doing a whole bunch of stuff right now um, surrounding this limited release. Definitely go on over there, homefieldapparel.com, promo code SHOCK12. Get that 15% off um, and find yourself some fantastic Kansas gear. Of course, they got a whole bunch of other ones you can find as well. Some great stuff. But when you get an opportunity to pick up some of the best, most comfortable gear in your favorite team's colors and logos and all of that stuff, you got to do it. So again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code SHOCK12. Get 15% off that entire first order. And all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right. I do want to talk a little bit about the swagger and the pettiness and kind of how that's going to be for them looking forward and then talk a little bit about what's coming up. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. And you are listening live to the one, the only Tortillas and Takes Podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, um, look, you know, this is a team, I think, that has the attitude that they need to be able to make a deep run. You know, we've, we've talked about how well they're playing. We've talked about what Bill Self has been doing. But, you know, the thing that stands out to me is really just the way that they attack. Like, this is something that we saw towards the end of the year last year with that team having that killer instinct and really turning it on late. Um, you're, you're really starting to see the same thing from this team, which I think is probably the most impressive part about all of this. Is there any particular player or any particular thing that you kind of attribute that to? Like, I mean, it just seems weird that, you know, you have two teams – that honestly have very different pieces, but seem to have that that very important trait in common. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is just one because I do think it comes from a lot of them. Although I think Jalen Wilson is a key piece of that, and I think him just you know even well him and and Juan being so close to those guys like like you know Christian and Nochai and all them anyway. But like they, uh, I think they understand. I think they embrace the the pressure and the expectations and they just know, I th- you know, I think part of it too is like it, it helps to know that you've done it and you can do it. And obviously why not have a little more swagger when you're actually the ones with the ring and you can say you're the defending champs and all that. But like, I think they've been, it, there's a little bit of, it's. I think they brought the been there, done that attitude. And then guys like Kevin and Grady and some of those others who are, you know, like, yeah, Ernest, even honestly, from as a freshman coming in there, like I've kind of picked up on it, but I'm guessing feels like it starts with Juan and, and Jalen. Like, you know, I Jalen was right in front of us in the Baylor game yelling, you know, not in our house, that kind of thing, like at the very end. And like he's he's been the one that was just like, you know, he's he very animated at the end of the game. And it's fantastic to watch. Like, I think he probably he's that kind of piece just because he's more vocal about it than Juan, which is also why I love that Juan was the one on Instagram because he's just so quiet. And usually um, like when he's on the court, he is expressionless. He is, you have no idea what he's thinking. That's what makes him so terrifying, frankly, is because like he looks the exact same no matter what. So I love to see a little bit of personality there from him. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of those two guys taking it over, but also there's this kind of, Hey, we've been there. We're we're the one on the top of the mountain. Like, come take it from us. We dare you. And I think that's rubbed off on guys like Grady and Kevin and others. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I don't think it's like to your point. It, it feels like it is a um like a combination of the guys that know what it's like because they've done it, and then a bunch of guys that are hungry to get that for themselves. And you know, they know what they're doing. Like you talk about Juan and how, you know, you can't really tell. I, I don't even think it's that he, you know, is like emotionless or anything like that. I think it's just that he, uh, you know, it, it really just seems to me to be that he's focused. Like he's got a, he is as, as focused as I've ever seen a player when he is playing. And it shows in the way that he plays. Like it, it shows in what he's able to do and how he is able to take over games like that. 
And, you know, when he, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll stop a guy, he'll, um, you know, make a fantastic play. He'll do a whole bunch of different stuff. And it's, it's just, it's great to be able to see what he's able to do. And, and I think it's one of those things where we are going to be watching this for quite a while, because this is a team that's going to play deep into the tournament. I'm excited to see what they're able to do. I'm excited to go and, um, you know, follow what they're able to do. This is a team I think that's going to make a serious run at, at a repeat. Um, which is not something that happens very often, and it will be a lot of fun, I think, to to actually see that happen. And you could hear from the, after the Missouri game, Juan made a comment about how like the environment bothered him. He's like, "No, we just played in front of seventy thousand people for the national championship." I think like now that's where I think the others look at him and Jalen, and when they are just like focused, determined, like we're fine, don't let this get to you. Then how could you not, as someone like Brady Dick, not be like, all right, yeah, no, I'm on their team. Like, let's go. They know what they're doing. Like, they've been there before. There's, there is a sense of that been there, done that, that really helps. That one thing to talk about and then act like you're ready for the moment, but like to have guys who have actually been there, done that, and to have that sort of, you know, it's one thing to talk about that you, uh, you know, you're ready for the moment and you know what it takes, but like they actually do know what it takes and they've experienced it. And so for other guys, you know, you, you, that seeps into them. They look to them and, and, you know, I, who wouldn't want to go into battle with, with Jalen and Juan, the way that they play and the fact that they know what they're doing and just that demeanor that they have. You're right. Like it's the, just the, the focus and the, the, just the, okay, this is, here's what we're going to do. It's almost like a, a predetermined thing. It's like, we're going to go out there and we're going to stop this now and we're going to do this and we're going to make shots when we need to. And, and, you know, Try to stop it if you can, but we're going to bet that you can't. Yeah, I mean, it's also one of those things, too, where, like, this is a team now that is, uh, is hitting their stride at just the right time. Um, you know, we're, we're coming in on the very end of conference play, um, getting ready to, you know, get ready for all of our um, NCAA tournament, Big 12 tournament, all of that fun stuff, and really kind of see who is able to make that push. And, and I, I mean, it's hard to not think that Kansas has a fantastic opportunity to go and, you know, make that push themselves, um, you know, even more than anyone else in the conference. I, I do. I do wonder, though. I mean, you look at what's left for the Jayhawks, right? They have they go on the road to West Virginia. Then they uh, they get to uh, come home. I'm sorry. They're not on the road. They're at home against West Virginia. They were on the road in West Virginia earlier this year. Uh, so they have two more home games. West Virginia and Texas Tech coming up this weekend, um, and then on Tuesday, and then they end the year at Texas. And there's a very good chance, like that, that game against Texas could be for the outright Big Twelve title for the Jayhawks. Um, looking at what they have left, like, is there anything in here that worries you? Anything that you are concerned about if you're a Jayhawk fan, or is it really just you know enjoy it all now because it's going to be great? Uh, I mean, you never want to to counter chickens before they hatch, but it is, I, I, I saw that, um, uh, if you don't follow Adam Sullivan on, uh, on Twitter, he provides some great stats. And one of them was after the, after the game, he, he posted about how, um, in Kansas's two remaining games at Allen Fieldhouse during self's tenure, KU was 38 and zero. So basically they've never lost in, in the last two games of the year at Allen, uh, under self, and then he went back and added to it. That included like a, a Durant game, a Beasley game. There's a couple others in there like that. It just doesn't happen. And then you add that to it to where this is a theme with a lot of big 12 teams. And I talk about this in the preview that I'm working on now for West Virginia, but we have a lot of Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to on the road versus at home. And West Virginia is one of those. They've only won one game away from Morgantown in big 12 play this year and that was on january 25th against uh i believe texas tech so like they just don't they they're they're five and two at home in their last seven but they cannot win on the road and you see that with iowa state you see k-state struggling with that um i think texas tech i haven't gone look through theirs yet either but i think if you if you basically said hey you get to play two home games against bottom teams in the conference who struggle on the road and also you have a coach who never loses in these situations offer the chance to play for either an outright or share of the title. Yes. Sign me up. Um, so it's looking good. And Texas has to go to Baylor this week. Texas is another team who their offense just isn't nearly as good on the road as it is at home. Uh, Texas definitely has the harder schedule of, of the group. Um, and I would say though, you know, 
we, we've talked a lot about how this team should make a deep run. They're built for it. I will say too, like things happen in the tournament. It's weird. I, I think that this team is already, you know, if they can get a share of the title and get a one seed, they have probably exceeded expectations more than we thought coming off the championship year. And even if this is a team that loses in the sweet 16 or something weird happens, someone gets hurt. Like, I, I don't think that diminishes already just what an impre- impressive feat when you look at the conference and what it's been this year how many good teams there were how much you had to replace the guys who had to step up in order to do it obviously there's high expectations for the tournament all that's gravy but i do think i would be shocked honestly if if hey, you didn't go into the texas still with four four losses uh, um and with a shot to at least tie or outright win the big 12 um but you know obviously what they've done to this point has far and away exceeded expectations i think people had coming into the year yeah it's it's funny too because i mean you look at you know kansas under bill self when you know they've lost a bunch of talent because like after the you know after the title game in 08 they went in and they were i believe they were a one seed weren't they um yeah, I think so. Or no, I'm sorry. I think they were they were a two seed against a Michigan State team. I think with Markeith and and uh, Marcus and Cole and Sharon. And then in 2010, after you know the more uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of that one, the Morris uh, twins. Um, their final year in 2010, then going into 2011. Um, no, I take that back. I am I'm just flubbing this like yeah, crazy. The uh, the O nine the O nine ten team was the Michigan State Sweet Sixteen lost. But we also there's that there's the Ben McLemore Sweet Sixteen. Okay, loss no, I'm thinking of the national title game. That's right. I'm thinking of the O nine year after the title game when coming back it was Sharon Collins and Cole Aldrich, and it was like, what is Kansas going to do? Right with those are the two guys that are coming back that were, you know, significant role. Or I'm sorry. Sharon was a significant role player on that team, but Cole, you know, his only real significant minutes came in the in the Final Four game against uh, against North Carolina when he completely shut down Taylor Hansborough. Um, you know, so like you look at what they had coming back, and there was legitimate questions about what they were going to do, and they were a you know I, I, again I don't remember which seed they were. I think they were either a two or a three, um, but you know, for them to be able to play as well as they did for Bill Self to bring that team together. Like every single time that we go into a season thinking, well, you know, like what are they going to do? They've lost a whole bunch of talent. Bill Self seems to find a way to get them to play well above what anybody thought they could actually do, which is a a, a talent, I think, that gets overlooked quite a bit, especially as you do it more and more because it it just gets taken for granted. Like there's a ton of people that are talking about how, you know, Kansas doesn't reload or doesn't rebuild. They just reload. Like this was supposed to be, you know, Kansas fans will talk about how this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. Like, you know, you had a lot of players come back, but you did not have a lot of significant role players come back because you lost so much of that production. Most of the guys come like, we didn't know if we had a big man that could actually play at this level because KJ Adams was good in a reserve role, but there's a lot of questions about what he was going to be able to do as the starter. And if any of these freshmen could develop to where they needed to be. So you know, I think it's one of those things where you look at what Bill Self has done, and this is par for the course for him. This is the kind of stuff that he has done every every single time he's been challenged in this way. He has found a way to make it work um, and to put them in a good spot. And I think this is the best one. Like they have by far, like we've like like, like we talked about at the top of the show, the best resume in all of college basketball right now. There, you can make the argument that they are the most complete team. That they have all the pieces that you need. And the way that KJ Adams plays inside, and now that the way that Ernest Uday has been developing, they have a legitimate one-two punch on the inside that they didn't have at the beginning of the year, and they have every other piece that you need to be able to make a huge a huge run. Um, you know, I talked about this with Brendan, you know, just a, a couple weeks ago about how this team literally has everything you need to make a run, and I think they have it even more so now than they did just a couple weeks ago as players have settled into their roles, as Uday has developed even more. And you've gotten a lot more confidence in what Uday can do. And that's made it a whole lot easier, I think, for Self to turn the reins over to him when KJ Adams is having trouble or when they need to find something else to do. Even MJ Rice has gotten a lot better in the last two weeks. And then a lot of these guys will be back, which is another yeah. thing when we talk about. Like, you know, you look at that, like, the 21 team where it was like the 
it was the rough loss to USC in the second round, but it was one of those where it's like McCormick and Ochai and, and Christian, like those, that's where, that was the year when they had kind of like cut their teeth and got the, the experience. Now, again, that was coming off of the 2020. We didn't actually have right. the tournament to you, was, you know, potentially would have been, but like, this is, I, I could see that not to say that this is the second round and out team. Uh, it was more to say, because I think Jalen Wilson and, and Juan Harris will have something to say about that, but you just look at the future. It's like, okay, well now, now it's time for, for KJ and uh, MJ and Ernest and all them to get their experience in the postseason. Like they're going to come back next year, assuming no transfers or anything weird doesn't happen. Like the, the, you, it feels like just, this is the, this is the start of this next wave that we're seeing. We're seeing the kind of, this is both the, um, the kind of flowers and curtain call for Jalen Wilson, I think, because obviously I don't think anyone expects him to come back and Grady's right. a, I last projected pick I saw was he was at 10th, I think from Sam Bassini. So like maybe he could come back with NIL, but you know, I would not, no one would judge him. Or yeah. Him I think he's, he he's pretty much like, unless he just completely falls flat the last, you know, yeah. three weeks of the he's season, uh, he's, he's going to be a lottery pick at which point it's really hard Although I mean he's been signing NIL deals like crazy, um, so right. like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, but it's hard to imagine a guy like that who you know has talked about how his dreams of playing the NBA, um, like is going to turn that down for a chance to come back and make some NIL money unless he just really enjoys being on campus, which is now actually a possibility with the way NIL works. Yeah, but you but you don't have you have it's not like after last year when it's a mass exodus. Oh, right, everyone's right. time was up. Like you have the the this is the the this is what we're seeing here to complement guys like Juan and and Jalen and and Kevin who's going to be done after this is that next wave and this is where they're going to start cutting their teeth and we can see if they have that same mentality that we talked about and that kind of winning just instinct uh, to be able to take it forward because then once they're off it's going to be on guys like KJ Adams and Ernest to kind of bring that sort of, you know, the pettiness and the swagger and all of that. And so I'm curious also to see just with them, how this kind of hand, like this is almost the kind of like the, the handoff into the the next generation of players. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because like Dwan Harris, you know, he's, I mean, he's a junior uh, or I'm sorry, he, he has another year. He can come back at least. Um, I don't know that he's a guy that leaves early, right? Like, I don't know what, I, I don't think he There's has. There's no reason for him to. Right, he, I don't think he has legitimate, you know, possibilities of pro that would pay him a decent amount. Um, you know, he's playing really well here. He could potentially develop into a kind of a role player on a G League team or something like that or, you know, make himself a bunch of money playing overseas if he can get another great year. And, and honestly, like, like, but this is not a team like in the, two, in, the two, in the 2008 year, right, where when they run to a title, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people think about, declaring Mario Chalmers I don't think was expected to go in the NBA draft until he won most outstanding player in the in the final four and you know was able to turn that into getting drafted in the bottom of the first round so like I don't think even if Kansas were to run and get a back-to-back title like I don't think Harris leaves because I just don't think there's a pro prospect for him somewhere that would be enticing enough for him to leave now if he went I wouldn't blame him but you know, you have a guy like that, the core of that team coming back. Jalen Wilson goes after this year just because I think he has a really good shot at being National Player of the Year. McCuller, I believe, really has to go. I think this is last year. Um, but, you know, I mean, Kansas has a lot of guys coming back and a lot of guys that are going to be able to build on this experience. And like you said, like, it's not resetting the roster next year, no matter what happens. Like, I, I, I it's impossible for me to imagine a scenario where Kansas loses enough players where they don't have significant minutes returning, significant minutes playing. Um, Cause again, like KJ Adams is not, he doesn't have the body type that's going to be highly coveted, right. By, by NBA teams, um, you know, for the kind of pl- uh, style that he is going to be able to play in, in, in professional league. So, um, you know, Kansas is going to have a lot of opportunities next year. It's going to be extremely exciting to kind of see what they can do. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that that freshman class is coming in. Of course, I, I'm definitely looking forward first to NCAA tournament, Big 12 tournament, all this other stuff to see how they finish out this year because, man, it would be awesome to be back-to-back national champions. Um, it's a possibility. I think it's the closest, like it's the best chance that we have for something like that to happen since Florida did it. Um, you know, there was people talking about how last year, how Baylor had a decent shot, but I think they stro- they stumbled down the stretch and you could kind of see some warning signs even before North Carolina was able to beat them. 
in the tournament, you don't see those warning signs here with this Kansas team. Like they have overcome a lot of the issues that they have. They have gotten a lot better. Um, you know, they still, they could, they could take a couple more losses here because of tactical decisions or other things. And I wouldn't necessarily be extremely worried about it, but I'm excited for the last few weeks of the season. Excited for the possibility again of Bill Self being able to get another conference title in a year where, you know, the Big 12 is literally the toughest it's ever been. Um, and for Kansas to come out on top, like, again, I'll, I'll make this point again. I made it on, on Twitter. Um, if Kansas wins the Big 12 outright, I have a hard time seeing how they don't sweep conference awards. You know, Jalen Wilson, player of the year, Bill Self, coach of the year. To win outright in a league like this, you know, with all of the stuff that he had to replace, it is like, yes, Jerome Tang is a fantastic story. TJ Altsberg is a fantastic story. Rodney Terry is a fantastic story. But to come in and overcome all of that with all of these ridiculous teams in a league where you get no nights off is a super impressive performance and a super impressive accomplishment. And here's to hoping that he can actually go ahead and do it because this is one that we get to hold above a whole bunch of other people that said that, you know, this is the year that Kansas is going to finish in like third or fourth because of how good the conference is. Uh, I'm going to enjoy holding this over some of my uh, big 12 friends that, uh, that like to, you know, dance on Kansas grave when they don't win. All right. Yeah. yeah this is a, this is a, and the, this team doesn't, there's no dropping, like there's no bad losses in there that the floor, I think there's teams with higher ceilings potentially if they can play on any given night. So I think like, it's, you know, it's not like I, Kansas will probably lose a game somewhere, whether it's at Texas or the big 12 tournament or something, but they also just like, there's no, like we're recording this on the night where Virginia lost to Boston college. Like there's just yeah. none of those on here. Like this team just well, doesn't, well, there's a, there's they a don't have an opportunity to play a team like Boston college. Well, even earlier forever. in the year when it yeah. was, yeah. And even earlier in the year when this team was still trying to figure out who it was and all that kind of stuff. Like there's just no, like look at its resume. Like there's no, and if they do win the big 12 outright uh, and make it to at least the semis of the big 12 tournament, they should probably have a good argument for, either the number one overall seed or the a top two seed, because no one else is going to be able to compare with that resume looking at both. And there's just a, there's a greater margin for error. That's the other thing. Like Houston, it loses one against that level of competition. And they're competition. done. Yeah. It, it's done. It's the same thing with, you know, Purdue's going to have chances where they're going to get knocked off by, by lesser teams. There's such a wider margin for error for Kansas moving forward than there is of any of those teams that's competing with. Well, and like, it's funny because if they were to lose to West Virginia, right. Come coming up on Saturday, just assuming that they did West Virginia is ranked number 21 in Ken Pong. There is no yeah, higher than TCU, right? Like there is no way at all that that can be considered a bad loss. And, and when they go and act, like, if that were to happen, West Virginia would shoot up the rankings high enough that it would then, I think, turn into another quad one game. Like, <laughs> it's it's impossible at this point for Kansas to suffer a bad loss the rest of the way, no matter where they are in the rest of their schedule. So, yeah, I mean, they, I think they've wrapped up the best resume. The question will just be whether the committee agrees when we finally get there. But, of course, Kansas can just put all that to rest by just winning out the rest of the way, winning the Big 12 tournament, you know, and then um, going into – uh, going into Selection Sunday, you know, with a with a uh, twenty or I'm sorry, with a thirty and uh, let me see, it'd be a thirty one and six record at that point. Um, yeah, I, I think I would like to see that. So let's 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 just make that happen. All right, Kyle. Um, anything else you wanted to share before we get out of here for the day? No, I think we've covered it. Uh, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty solid couple of weeks of. Kansas basketball. Yeah, it definitely has. We are going to try to have a, a preview of the West Virginia game. I am in the process of talking with someone right now. Uh, so we might have one on Friday. If we do, it'll probably be like early Friday afternoon when it'll actually post. So make sure you guys are paying attention for that. Um, but if not, we'll definitely uh, get our good friends over at uh, Tortillas and Takes to jump on for a Texas Tech preview before the game on Tuesday. So you'll get to hear from some of our friends across the uh, 1012 podcast network coming up here in the next week or so. And then, of course, you know, we're going to have a ton of fun with Big 12 Tournament. Um, we are working on something uh, network-wide to kind of talk about that and, and be ready for that and then for Selection Sunday. So there's a lot of great stuff to happen. Make sure you guys are, uh, you know, reading all of our coverage over on Blue Wings Rising. We're doing a lot of fun stuff over there, covering all the teams. I mean, we've got baseball coverage. We've got, you know, women's basketball coverage, men's basketball coverage. Uh, we're, we're dipping our toes back into football now that spring practice is coming up here pretty soon. So 
There's going to be a ton of stuff. Make sure you guys are paying attention to all of it. But uh, that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. Where's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, we are almost to the point where we have every single team represented, including all the new ones, but um, we're hoping to get the rest of those added and get that all set up there. But you can go over to 1012 Podcast, I'm sorry, 1012network.com, get links to all the great shows that we have. Um, make sure you guys visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, prizepicks.com. Use promo code SHOCK12 to get some fantastic deals over there. And of course, don't miss out on that limited edition run over at Homefield. But that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Thank you.